Hello and welcome to the Banker podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, exploring how the financial services industry is coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, the Banker's editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practices and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during these tough times. I'm Kimberly Long, Asia Editor of the Banker, and today I'm speaking with James Lloyd, Asia Pacific FinTech and Payments Leader EY. Thanks for joining us today, James. Good to speak to you again. So this year has seen a number of changes in how people are using their banks. What have been the key changes amongst consumers? Yes, indeed. It has been a very unusual year. <laughs> um, sitting here in kind of mid-October, uh, I'm based in Hong Kong. Really, COVID pandemic began to hit Asia uh, toward the end of um, January. So, you know, we've had kind of eight, nine, nearly 10 months of of disruption, and, and you're right. I mean, of course, it's had a big impact on consumer behaviors. But the thing about banks is they tend to be uh, a little bit of a lagging um, indicator. Uh, wh- what I mean by that is, I think we've seen tremendous change in consumer behaviors as it pertains to payments, for example. But banks often take a little bit of time to incorporate some of those changes into their product roadmap and, and to respond accordingly. So, you know, if I was to give a few examples, of course, we hear a lot about declining cash, cash usage in many markets. Uh, that's true here as it is in the UK and elsewhere. Of course, ATM usage has been down in terms of number of visits, but of course the average uh, withdrawal has gone up because if people are going to the ATM, then they're taking out larger uh, quantities of money and so on and so forth. Um, so, so there have been these kind of consumer behavioral changes on the finance and financial services side. But but as I say, it, it's taken a little bit of time for some of the banks and indeed some of the fintechs to respond. Um, so, you know, I think that lagging indicator approach we'll see next year, we'll begin to see uh, perhaps the uh, results of some of that acceleration of um, digital financial services, uh, digitization and so on. So again, maybe one example we've seen uh, in this market, we've done a, a tremendous amount of kind of on the ground market research o- over over the year. A lot of folks in this market use cash withdrawals actually as a form of kind of saving in, in terms of understanding how much they're saving and spending on any given week or month. So you might take out a certain amount of cash at the beginning of the week and month, and then simply by virtue of having that cash in your wallet, you know over the period of time how much you're spending, how you manage that spending. Uh, With fewer and fewer people using cash, with fewer people um, going to the ATM, we have seen some of the banks accelerate what we would call personal financial management or uh, spend categorization. So again, if you're using your card more, whether it's a credit card, debit card, stored value facility, e-wallet, et cetera, you can begin to track some of that spending more. And then fundamentally, you may not need to use cash for that kind of uh, spend tracking and analysis to the same degree. Um, but again, product roadmaps and life cycles being what they are in in banks, I think we'll probably only see the fruits of, of, of much of this later on. Asia has seen the creation of a number of virtual banks this year even after the delays due to the coronavirus. What impact will these have on banking in the region? In one way, we, we all look to, um, I think the UK in particular, uh, where challenger banks have been uh, around for several years. I would say the UK has been kind of fundamentally leading in, in relation to these kind of neo banks or challenger banks. Um, in Asia, uh, you know, in, in, in markets like Hong Kong, Korea, Australia, uh, soon Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, and others, we have seen uh, the emergence of, of similar, similar kind of regulatory changes, new regulatory permissions to enable 
um, smaller and newer players to emerge. But, but I would say in Asia, it's been a little bit different. Uh, if I take Hong Kong, where I sit, um, the uh, Hong Kong Monetary Authority has authorized eight new digital-only banks this year. Um, and and while, while I think we have drawn some inspiration from the UK model, I think it's a little bit different in, in some of these markets in Asia, where unlike in the UK, for example, where you've had effectively startups raise money and build a, be a better digital solution and try and kind of grow organically. In Asia, we're also drawing inspiration from mainland China and elsewhere where we see really the entry of big tech. Um, so some of the big technology players coming in, uh, whether it be Ant Financial, Tencent, uh, Ping'an, uh, JD.com or Jingdong, uh, a, a range of kind of big, in particular, the big China tech firms have, have sought to uh, get licensed and build uh, some of these challenger banks in, in, in many of these markets. So I think that's one element. You've got new players coming in who are perhaps uh, much much more capitalized with a, a considerable backing of, of a large parent company. A little bit different to the UK in that, in that regard. The, the other element I would say, and I'll relate this back to your question in terms of the impact, the other element I would say is, you know, much of the inspiration we've taken from mainland China is the idea of this kind of ecosystem approach. So again, you know, Ant Group, Tencent and others who have developed this kind of ecosystems of services, you know, first party, third party, financial, non-financial services. And again, in markets like Hong Kong, Singapore, even Australia, Korea and elsewhere, we're beginning to see the emergence of new players that perhaps have a traditional bank as a shareholder, perhaps they have a big technology company as a shareholder, and they may indeed have a non-financial services player. So be it a large retailer, a travel network operator, telecom, et cetera. So we're seeing this quite interesting, you know, big backed, a large capitalized kind of hybrid model emerge. You know, now to directly answer your question, I think the impact that's having is likely to be quite significant because the competitive pressure then on the incumbents is all the more greater. So, you know, even to date in, in Hong Kong, which I think perhaps leaving aside South Korea, Hong Kong is the most advanced market in Asia in terms of challenger banks. Well, I should say outside of mainland China and, and South Korea, really what we've seen to date is even at an early stage, it's clear that these new players are fostering real competition. And perhaps we see this best uh, in the response of the existing players. So already, even prior to the launch of these new uh, virtual banks, uh, some, of the, some of the major banks were all, already eliminating uh, many of their customer fees. They're accelerating digital partnerships and, uh, and other initiatives. And even frankly, some are, are seeking to slow the growth of the virtual banks. Um, in some cases, by limiting customers' ability to, you know, transfer money via electronic de direct debit and, and stuff like that. So, look, it, you know, it, it's early days in many of these markets. I could speak to any of those uh, markets individually. Obviously, Singapore has not yet licensed new players, but it's in the process. Uh, same with uh, Malaysia. You know, Australia, we've seen the launch of several new players over the past kind of year or two. Um, so it, it's at a different phase of development in each market. Um, but I would say, in general terms, despite what I've said, it is more of an evolution than a revolution. Um, but, you know, the results are positive. Um, I think, ultimately, it's the end customer, whether consumers or SMEs, that are going to benefit from this new competition. And do you think the emergence of digital banks will help to improve financial inclusion in underserved markets? There are problems to solve in terms of, um, you know, efficiency, 
um, coverage, you know, product coverage, uh, digitization, et cetera. But in general, in many of these markets, most people are banked. Um, and in some cases, kind of, you, you could argue that they're overbanked. I mean, there's, there's, you know, a range of existing players, there's a range of existing products, and in general, most people have access to it. So again, these markets are interesting. Um, great, great opportunities for product development. There's, there's a kind of a relatively sophisticated marketplace of services, et cetera. But, but to your question, I think, you know, if anything, what we've learned from mainland China over the past 10 years is the opportunity in, in the white spaces, uh, the opportunity in those market segments that are not uh, traditionally well served by big players. Um, so, so that can be unbanked, uh, but it can also be underbanked. Um, so by unbanked, of course, I mean people who are effectively off the financial grid entirely, probably a cash only uh, economy. You know, there's very little electronic or digital record of transactions. Um, and, and that's a big deal because if there's no kind of electronically verifiable uh, record of the, the, your kind of prior transactions, it's very difficult to create um, efficient credit. Um, and of course, you can get very high interest rate, informal credit, um, you know, payday lenders equivalents. But I mean, this is really this is really one of the big problems that I think a lot of fintechs and a lot of digital banks want to solve is how can we efficiently and cost effectively provide credit to those underserved areas of the economy. Um, and of course, that has tremendous benefits for the individuals and small businesses themselves. But equally, you know, we all know that credit can serve as a kind of a multiplier effect across the economy as a whole. So, you know, wh while the opportunity is great, and again, World Bank IFC would have, you know, a lot of very useful statistics in terms of the proportion of unbanked or underbanked in markets like mainland China, which has actually made tremendous progress in markets like Indonesia, India, and elsewhere. Um, I, I think to answer your question, yes, there's a big opportunity for digital banks to solve aspects of it, but it is as much about the underlying rails and infrastructure. Um, and sometimes that needs to be delivered by the regulator or government. Um, I'll give an example. I mean, digital identification, uh, you know, digitization of records. Um, you know, as I said, the, the, the creation of credit is, is heavily dependent on kind of digital um, transaction histories and so on and so forth. So look, the opportunity is great. Uh, digital virtual banks will play a role, um, but equally there's, there's a lot to be done across the economy in some of these uh, underserved markets. That's great. Thanks so much for joining us today, James. Great to be here. Thanks, Kimberly. And you can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records 
and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.